This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. I'm getting tired of the novelty of the first female governor of this state, the first female African-American mayor of this city. When is it going to become the norm instead of the exception? How are these young women looking up and seeing someone that looks like them preparing them for the future? We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. Girls are socialized to know when they come out, gender roles are already set. Men run the world. Men have the power. Men make the decisions. It's always the men that is the stronger one. And when these girls are coming out, who are they looking up to to tell them that that's not the way it has to be? And where better to do that than in sports? All these millions of girls that play sports across the country, they could come out every day, and we're teaching them great things about life skills, but wouldn't it be great if we could teach them to watch how women lead? This is a path for you to take to get to the point where in this country we have 50% of women in power. We have less, less now, right now less than 5% of women are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So, yes, when you look at men's basketball and 99% of the jobs go to men, why shouldn't 100 or 99% of the jobs in women's basketball go to women? Maybe it's because we only have 10% women athletic directors in Division I. People hire people who look like them, and that's the problem. The voice you just heard is that of the Naismith Hall of Famer, Muffin McGraw, head coach at Notre Dame. And you may remember those remarks that she made in a press conference during the NCAA tournament that went viral because Muffet, as you know, is not only an amazing coach, but she's an advocate for women, um, and in particular women coaches. She obviously coaches women's basketball, but she's been a mentor to so many girls and women. Now Kathy Engelbert, even our own WNBA president, was coached by Muffet McGraw at Lehigh, but she was speaking some very important words about women leaders and what our girls need and what our women need. And and basically what she's addressing is the shortage of women that we have um, in positions of power. And it is an important conversation, so important that we decided to take it to our platform here on Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we're going to have a number of guests on this podcast, uh, including a roundtable where we will talk about some research and we want to thank the Women's Sports Foundation and the leadership of Deborah Antoine and how they brought this conversation to us because they got their hands on some research um, that is really mind-blowing as it pertains to the numbers um, behind girls' participation in sport and how we need to impact those numbers, how we see those numbers declining when compared to boys um and you know at a time where we're talking about equality and and sport and how that impacts the trajectory of a, a woman's career in life it goes back to being girls and and what's happening in that phase and, and why and how girls see their role not only in particip- as participants but also coaching and that's the other part of this is we don't have uh, enough women coaching sports and this research really targets girls between the ages of 7 and 13, but it goes beyond that because we've talked before on this show about um, 
the, the, the number of women head coaches on the college level and beyond and what can we do to impact that? So this conversation is going to go in a number of ways, but we thank you for listening to this. We hope parents will listen. Uh, we hope you know our basketball fans will listen because it, it's not about the WNBA. We're stepping away from the X and O's, but it is about uh, sport. It's about the advancement of women. It's about what our girls need. And it's also about what's happening in our country right now. So buckle up because we're going to keep it real and talk about this research. And we want to thank again the Women's Sports Foundation and Nike, uh, who is a part of funding this research, uh, which is very important. And, um, yeah, check it out. All right, basketball fans. So, again, as we mentioned in the introduction, we are having a very important conversation about the involvement of girls or the participation of girls in sports um, but also women in coaching, and it centers around some research that was done by the Women's Sports Foundation. And uh, we'll have several very special and, I would say, more educated guests on this topic than I am today on the show. But um, our first one is one of the more interesting stories of an athlete I've ever seen, um, Alana Myers-Taylor is a four-time world champion, eight-time world championships medalist, three-time winter Olympian, and medalist and 2015 World Cup champion in bobsled. But she didn't start in bobsled. She was a softball player. And I just think it's fascinating uh, that there are athletes that can master um, not in just one sport, but in a couple in her case. Uh, please welcome to the show, Alana. Alana, you're here because we're going to talk about your role with the Women's Sports Foundation as the president and some of this research. But First, take me through your participation in sport, going back to a young girl and how you ended up with the bobsled as your main event. Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I just grew up playing a lot of different sports. My father played for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, which brought us to Atlanta, but he always encouraged us to be active as long with, as well as my mom. So growing up, I played softball. Yes, I played basketball. wanted to be like Michael Jordan, Yay. but I stopped growing, so <laughs> didn't happen. Um, ran track, played soccer, you name it, I played it. But I always played with a desire to go to the Olympic level and compete as an Olympian. And when softball didn't work out, I had an Olympic tryout. It went horribly. It was a disaster of a tryout. So that didn't happen, and it got taken out of the games. So I was like, well, I still want to be an Olympian. What could I do? And my parents actually saw bobsled on TV and were like, hey, why don't you try this? And I was like, sure, why not? And just Googled it and emailed a coach and got invited to a tryout. Wow. And not only did you participate, but you meddled, as we talked about um, early in the show. But you also are the first woman to ever medal on a men's team because you meddled with the men's bobsled team. And we'll get into a little bit about gender later. But um, something that you 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 talked about with your participation as a young girl is a conversation that we hear often. Should girls try multiple sports? Like, are we forcing our girls and even boys in some instances into focusing on one sport when they should be participating in multiple? Now there's burnout. There's also, um, you know, just the theory that you're a more versatile athlete if you're participating in sports where you're using primarily different parts of the body. Like if I'm a figure skater, ice skater, my legs and thighs are going to be more developed, you know, things like that that we know. How do you think it helped you? And do you find any truth in that? Oh, I am a huge proponent of playing a lot of different sports growing up. And believe it or not, most of my friends who are Olympians and medalists and things like that, they played a lot of sports growing up. They didn't specialize at an early age. And I think 
uh, coming at age right after Title IX. You know, my mom uh, grew up in the Title IX era, so me coming as after that, you know, she encouraged me to play as many sports as I had an opportunity to. So I do the same thing. Um, I think you learn a lot from a variety of different sports. So I learned stuff from basketball. I learned stuff from softball. I learned stuff from track and field that I was able to apply later to my Olympic career. Yeah, we find on the basketball side of the house, and our fans would know this, that um, a lot of the more successful women's basketball players, Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, started off in soccer, which it may not seem like, okay, basketball, soccer, using your hands, not using your hands, you know, <laughs> but it's the hand-eye coordination, right. it's the footwork, a lot of things like that that bleed into it. Um, give us an idea of your role as president um, of the Women's Sports Foundation. So I've been the president for this current year, for 2019, and in my role as the president of the Women's Sports Foundation, I've really worked to try and get people to understand more about us, um, get things like out there like our research, and also grow our reach. Um, so we really want to make sure college-age women realize that we're out there. Um, we serve everyone from grassroots girls all the way up to elite level, and we want to make sure girls have girls and women have access to sports at all levels. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the research, which I, I, that to me, as someone who obviously I, I work in a women's sport, women's basketball, covered it, played it, all that. I'm always interested in knowing, like, what, how can we keep growing our sports, right? Because that's what happened to softball, you know? I mean, soccer, we see it happening where there's just not a lot of vitality in those sports um, and even not the money that's been putting into it, the sponsorships, but I think it goes back to participation and interest level, even from a viewership standpoint. So what we're finding, and that's, this is the first thing that I wanted to address in the research is that the numbers are dropping for participation in girls in sport. Um, How can we change that? I think coaching plays a huge role in it, uh, which is part in what our research showed. But the other thing is we as a society have to support girls and women in sport. And I think with some of the campaigns you've seen by Nike and, and some of the other companies, they're really promoting the strength of women. And we have to continue to do that on a daily basis with young girls on the playground. We have to let young girls know, and I try to enforce this with my nieces, that just because my nephew is over there jumping off of a flight of stairs or whatever, she can do it too. Now, of course, you got to limit the height, <laughs> yeah. jumping off of buildings and stuff. But at the same time, we need to raise our girls to not be afraid to go out there and do things and not be go out there afraid to take risks like they will be required to when it comes to sports. And, and for the fans listening, um, you heard Alana reference coaching, and that was a big part of this research and just the idea that, first of all, um, only one quarter of the, I believe it's 6.5 million youth coaches, um, in our country are, are women. Um, and that's 25%. And that, um, from this research, we learned that young girls are often more encouraged as leaders, um, as participants, as competitors when they are coached by women. Have you been coached by both? male and female coaches and and what did you think about that that dynamic in your career yeah so i've had the whole gamut of coaches i've had really great coaches and really really horrible coaches and uh men and women on both sides of that equation too but my very first coach one of my earliest coaches was actually my mom she coached my travel softball team growing up for a couple of seasons and that played a huge influence on my upbringing because i saw women out there working day in and day out to try and make an entire team better. And it really got me interested in how team dynamics works and how 
you grow as a woman to be able to lead a team. And that's kind of what I've taken to my bobsled side of things. Yeah. You know, and I want, and I'll have to probably make this clear on several occasions during our podcast, like we are in for all coaches, right? Like if you're a good coach, we're not saying don't hire men. What we're saying is that girls need female leaders. They need examples of what leadership looks like in women and coaching is a natural place to do that. And this research in particular speaks to girls between the ages of seven and 13. So it's a very uh, unique group, but it's a, an important time in their development as well. Um, something that, that, that also stood out to me about this, um, and I'm quoting this from the research, girls start sports later, end earlier, play less, and it's even worse for girls of color or otherwise disadvantaged groups. What are some things that the Women's Sports Foundation is doing? I know you have a Go Girl Go program. People may not know what that is, but what are you guys doing um, to help, in particular, um, young girls of color in, in disadvantaged situations? Well, I think one of the things facing youth sports today is the increasing expense of it all. Um, with the specialization comes also youth sports has just gotten out of hand as far as, you know, we're charging kids thousands of dollars now to p- play sports and we don't we at the women's sports foundation want to make sure there is little barrier as possible to girls participating in sports so we provide grants we create programs um, we do athlete ambassador events where we're actually taking an elite athlete and have them at an event and play games with the girls and and show them their sport or even me i i you know, obviously I'm not going to show a lot of girls bobsled. That's not really realistic, but I'll go to clinics and do tennis and, and different things with them because we want to encourage participation and we don't want them to have those barriers, whether they're economic or whether they're even where you live, environmental. Yeah. You know, it's, I watch a lot of sports with my family um, when I'm with them and when I'm not there, they don't watch a lot of sports. So they have a ton of questions. And one of the things I always get is like, why don't we see more black women in lacrosse or women of color, you know, in, in golf and sports like that? And you have to have the conversation about economics because it's real, right. you know, and, and the cost associated. You know, I always say basketball cost you nothing really in your neighborhood because all you needed is one ball and you could go down to the to the playground and play, you know. Right. But if you don't have a soccer goal or a volleyball net or, you know, things like that, or, or, or golf clubs, which my mother couldn't afford as a young girl, then you're limited. You know, we were saying we want you to participate in, in, in different sports, but what's actually available to you? Like, I didn't remember my high school didn't even have volleyball. Right. And I'm 6'4". I'm yeah. like, shoot, I could have been a, I probably wouldn't have been very good because I'm clumsy, but, you know, I could have been a multi-sport athlete or, you know, at least tried. Um, so that is something we have to keep in mind. And that's also where role modeling is very important. Um, mm-hmm. For me, when I saw in 2002, Vanev Flowers was the first African-American to win a gold medal in the Winter Olympics. And she did it in the sport of bobsled. So when I saw somebody who looked like me do it, I was like, man, I could do this too. And that's what it takes. It takes girls being able to see people who look like them in golf, in lacrosse. And at the Women's Sports Foundation, we're trying to provide those opportunities at the youth and grassroots level so that they, when they get to the professional level that you have those examples. We're creating the next group of elite athletes in those sports. Fans, if you're just joining us, uh, we are fortunate to have with us Alana Myers-Taylor, the president of the Women's Sports Foundation and multi-time medalist um, in the bobsled. So what can people do if they're listening 
to this right now and want to know how can I support the Women's Sports Foundation? How can I help the number of girls participants? I mean, one thing that that's alarming to me is I sat with one of my friends um, who is a brilliant mind and a number cruncher when it comes to girls and participation. And she was showing me the participation numbers for girls basketball are going down. And I'm like, what can we do? Like, what can people do to support and try to try to help this? And then how can they also help women, more women get into coaching? We see how it's impacted mm-hmm. your career. So the first thing is just to support the Women's Sports Foundation. You can go to womensportsfoundation.org. Also follow us on Twitter, social media, Women's Sports Foundation, um, and, and just follow us there and donate and see the different programs we have going on. And you can even volunteer with us if there's something you're really passionate about. So just go online, check it out. Uh, but the biggest thing is I think we really have to have those conversations with women, with female athletes, that, and even people who aren't necessarily athletes anymore, that coaching is an option. Coaching, there's an opportunity. I think sometimes we have this stigma that you have to be an elite athlete in order to be a coach, whereas we don't see it on the men's side. Whereas you see somebody who is a statistician in college who never stepped on a college football field, but all of a sudden they graduate to the ranks of a head coach of a NFL team. You don't see that on the women's side because we think, hey, you've got to have Olympic medals in order to be a coach. And that's not the case. We just have to show women that there's an opportunity there and encourage them to go after it. I love it. And and we see even recently um, the uptick in hiring of women in the NBA coaching and what that's going to do for, I mean, I can imagine if I was watching NBA, I remember watching it as a little girl and seeing a woman on the coaching staff, I would have been like, whoa. So, you know, that our children and this generation will get to grow up with that will be fantastic. Last question for you, just because this is something we talk about often on our podcast and I, I know it impacts all women's sports. Um, how can we support the women's professional sports we do have in our country? Um, you know, the WNBA, obviously, women's so- I mean, soccer, and we want more, right? Um, how can we continue to grow that? Like we talked about participation, but I mean, you know, it's money, it's sponsorships, it's equal pay. Right. Um, what are the things that are happening right now that you think are important for us to know around the topic of, of growing women's professional sports in America? I think one of the biggest things is just getting out there and showing your support for our teams, going to games, going to see the Atlanta Dream and going to NWSL games and just going and taking your children or just going with a friend and going to see the games. And the more exposure uh, those athletes are able to get, the sponsor dollars will come and, and, and those kind of opportunities will come. You know, But it all starts with us supporting what we want to see. And I, I know you want to see more professional women's sports. I do too. So I make it an opportunity to go see whatever professional sports I can, watch it on TV. Even if you can't watch a whole tennis match, just turn on the TV, let it run in the background, just show your support in women's sports any way you can. Billie Jean King would appreciate that shout out for tennis. So you get you get you get one for that. Um, a lot of where can we find you and where can fans support you on Instagram or Twitter or uh, what do you have going on that that we can support? So I'm still competing, going for 2022. Woo! In addition to doing a plethora of other things, so you can follow me on Instagram at Ilana Myers Taylor and on Twitter at eam slider two four. Awesome. Ilana, thank you so much for your time today and all the work you're doing with the Women's Sports Foundation. Your great insight and um, hopefully we'll see those participation levels rise and more women in coaching. Hope so. Thank you so much. Let's go do it. Have a good one. Hey, basketball fans, it is halftime of our conversation and we would like for you to chime in if you have any thoughts 
on the research that we will discuss on girls participation on women coaches you can do that at around the rim pod on twitter please hit us up we also have an email address and that is around the rim podcast at gmail.com you can tweet me at LaChina Robinson, Tarika at Sports underscore, Devro Peters at Miss Peters 14, and the Women's Sports Foundation Twitter handle at Women's Sports FDN. So join in the conversation and stay right where you are because we have a roundtable coming up that you will not want to miss. All right, basketball fans. Well, you know how important it is for us to have conversations about women's basketball, but it's also important for us to talk about the state of women in sports. And um, the Women's Sports Foundation is an organization that has meant a lot to me in my journey. Um, I, I, I told this earlier in the podcast, but when I was at Georgia Tech a long, long time ago, my first job out of college, I worked in a program called Go Girl Go, where I would bring our Georgia Tech athletes to work with young girls in the community and go girl go is one just one of the amazing programs that the women's sports foundation um, organizes and puts on but i won't even be able be able to give it justice to try to tell you all the things that they do to help women and girls in sports so hopefully you will check them out we continue to share their information but google women's sports foundation uh long story short one of the things that they do is research on participation numbers on the involvement of girls in sports. Obviously we have an understanding right now of how important it is to encourage our young girls to participate in sport. I mean, the number of teen pregnancies declines, um, you know, their potential to become smokers later on in, in life declines if they're involved in sport. Uh, just so many positive uh, effects when we see our young girls participating in sport And so the research that the Women's Sports Foundation does is important because it gives us a gauge of where we are, but also where we need to go. So um, today's conversation is centered around some research, some very important research um, in a recent report, our coaching through a gender lens and maximizing girls play and potential, a national reporting collaboration with the Women's Sports Foundation and Nike It's a first-of-its-kind look at the girl-parent-coach dynamic through a gender lens to point out best practices for getting and keeping girls in the game. It's it's full of some interesting findings about girls aged 7 through 13, attitudes and experiences regarding their sports, and the critical role coaches play, especially female coaches, which we know are still in short supply across many levels in sports. So I am not the expert, but we have a lot of women on this podcast right now that are going to shed some light, not only on that report, but how it's impacted their journeys and the work that they're doing today. So um, our first guest is someone you know, (laughs) a two-time WNBA champion and recently retired player, which we're sad about, but we're happy that she's on the media side now. Please welcome Devro Peters. We also have with us from the Connecticut Sun, guard who is out right now, um, and we miss her on the court so desperately, but her son are trying to, they're trying to play hard for. Um, join us in welcoming 2017 WNBA All-Star and USA Basketball World Champion, just got a ring re- recently. Uh, welcome Lasia Clarendon. Also with us from the Women's Sports Foundation, VP Director of Research and Evaluation, who is really going to open up 
um, these findings and some of the numbers that we got from this report. Karen Isaacson Silver. And last but not least, a repeat guest, someone who um, has helped us to understand the trends of what's happening in uh, women coaches with women coaches. Um, the executive director of We Coach, Megan Kahn. All right, so let's start with Karen because I think it's important for us to try to um, understand the major findings behind this report because there's so much here. Karen, just tell us what really stood out to you from this report and, and what did you learn um, in the initial findings? Sure. Um, the um, point of the research was really to um, address the gender gap in sport and the dropout rate. Girls drop out of sport at twice the rate of boys, and we wanted to understand how to get girls um, more engaged so that they stay in sport. And so we examined girls' development in the context of their sport experience and specifically looking at coaching practice and how coaches have an incredibly powerful influence on girls' desire to play. And that was the point of the study, and we really wanted to listen to the voices of girls ages 7 to 13 and hear from their parents to better understand what motivates their play and how do we keep them involved. And what are those unique challenges to them staying involved? Girls face a whole host of gender-related challenges, and those come from social media, they come from the greater culture, and they're very perceptive. Girls between ages 7 to 13 very clearly express what that feels like, whether it's um, concerns they have about body image or gender norms that suggest that athleticism and strength and power are associated with masculinity. Uh, They talk about peers, especially boys who may not support their athletic play, and so they're faced with all of these challenges, and we know we want them to embrace all of those things. They love sports, they're strong, they're powerful, and we need to continue to send messages uh, that support that. And that brings me to a question for Devereaux and Lasia. First, I would I would ask you to go back to your days as a, as a young girl. How did you fight those gender norms? What did that look like around your participation in sport? And then... Um, going beyond that to the coaching lens, how did you feel about your coaches? You know, and, and maybe it was based on gender. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you look back and say, hey, you know, I had equal experience with my male coaches and my female coaches. I know both of you were um, coached by two amazing women in college uh, leaders like we've never seen in our game, Muffet McGraw and Lindsay Gottlieb. So if you would each just touch upon first that experience as, as a young girl with gender norms, but then also with male and female coaches. Strength is automatically um, associated with masculinity. So trying to get out of that, um, as you get older and are coming up with these coaches, um, you hope that, you know, they're more accepting. And while you're in those spaces, you learn that confidence to kind of push out all of that, Karen was talking about as far as, like, the pressures of society. But I think especially with, like, Coach McGraw, um, one thing that's great about her for me coming to Notre Dame was that, like, she cares so much more about who you are than about basketball. Um, And so I I know for me she's had a very large impact on the woman I've turned into today um, because she took the time to, like, really 
coach me outside of basketball. Um, I always tell, talk about how when we first get to Notre Dame, she usually has like 15-minute meetings with uh, the freshmen for a couple of weeks. It's usually like for like a month um, when they get on campus um, to get adjusted and get um, make sure that they're, you know, getting used to college life. Um, and she starts to get to know the players. Um, and I was a tough cookie and was not somebody that would open up. Um, so she continued to have me come to those minute uh, meetings weekly <laughs> past when everybody else did um, because I was so difficult. <laughs> but um, so she would make me come um, to these meetings and it was forced at first. But by the time that first year went by, because I had to go pretty much the entire year um, by my so- sophomore year, I just started coming in on my own. Um, and we just really built a relationship and got to a point where I could come to her about anything that was going on um, with me, what, whether it was with basketball or off the court or being a woman or whatever else that I was struggling with um, to the point where even now we're extremely close to the point where some people like think, <laughs> think it's weird that I'll go, you know, up to Notre Dame and stay with one of our amazing coaches. Cause I'm close like that with Neo, I'm close like that with um, coach uh, CEO. And so, um, yeah, it, I just had a great experience there where I was able to build those relationships and had amazing women um, as our coaches. And just to um, kind of follow up on that, I, I just think it's it, it's thinking about Muffet McGraw and her legacy. I'm just I will never forget the day and I don't remember the exact quote, but I think Lindsay Gibbs wrote the article uh, in her one on one with Muffet. And she basically say, said she's never hiring another male coach and how important it is for her <laughs> to have an all women staff. And that was going to be it for Notre Dame. So uh, but she has produced not only so many great players, but amazing women leaders and yourself and, you know, using your voices, Skylar, so on and so on. Um, thanks for sharing that. Lasia. Oh, I've just been like picturing that press conference that Muffet did at the tournament too. That I was just at home like screaming and snapping my fingers. Yes, we that's opening our podcast. That that yeah. press conference is actually the opening to this podcast. So right on oh, time. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so when I was younger, I had the experience of a lot of young girls who, um, you know, were really good, and they have to play with the boys in terms of you know the competition and the opportunities because we're not funneling, you know, young girls in sports leagues. So oftentimes they played in either co-ed leagues where I was one of two girls or the only girl. And um, my dad ended up being a really big ally for me. And obviously how important, you know, men are allies for women. And his confidence in me always being like, you know, they're not passing you the ball. And like, when you steal it, go score a bucket. Like, I don't, you know, don't steal it from your own team, but like, go take the ball from the other team. And when you get it, like, just go, go score. And, and that always for me instilled like a confidence and not like, well, you know, maybe they'll pass you the ball if you keep talking to them or maybe if you try. It was like that competitive nature of like, you know, make them respect you. They're not going to give it to you, but like that's by the end of the season, they'll respect you and they'll want you on their team. And um, that just always propelled me as having him behind me, never questioning my gender. It was never a question of will I be good enough and will I make it? It always was that I was. I just happened to be a girl. And so that was always tough, you know, battling that in sports and not having that community at a young age when you first started playing with other girls that you could see yourself represented in. But I just knew, like, I was a baller. I like to play. Like, there's a ball. Here's the court. It didn't matter the gender for me. Um, At the time, I wasn't really thinking about it. And fast forwarding, I've had different, you know, men and women coaches throughout my career. And 
Lindsay's one that stuck out. Joanne Boyle is an amazing um, coach that I went to Cal. She was there my first two years, and I'm really close with her, and she was a great role model for me. And then two coaches that really stand out in my pro career that have shaped, like, the point guard and the player that I've become are Lynn Dunn and Stephanie White, and just phenomenal people and tremendous coaches, and they've made me, like, you know, they're really hard on me my first years and made me, like, the, the player that I am today by that you know, goal setting, all those little things like pushing me, um, pushing me to be more competitive in practice, um, always being on me about the point guard, not knowing the time and the score and every pass is my fault, like that competitive nature that they brought to my game and demanded a high level of excellence for me. But then the relationships that I built with them as well were like amazing. Lynn Dunn is, um, you know, Hall of Famer, big time coach. Like she was doing it before, like women could even get scholarships. Like she's a legend in our game and the things that she saw in me and brought out in me and were willing to be hard on me in the court and build a relationship with me off the court went a really long way. And they were also some of my first um, queer women that were successful that I got to see, like the representation to see, you know, Steph White with her wife after the game and see it be this normal thing. You've grown up for so long, you know, in the closet or not sure if you can be gay and be successful. And having that representation as a woman and as a queer woman was so important to me. It felt like, Oh, look, like I can coach one day. I can have a family. I can be successful in this league. There are role models out there for me because how are we going to tell these young girls that they can be anything? They can go to the WNBA. They can be a CEO. They can start a company, but like they don't even see youth coaches around them who are women. So like we have to give them that representation, which is so awesome that this news report came, this uh, study came out because you, you have to see it to be it. And that's what Lynn and Steph were for me. And that's what I hope we can continue to do with this report is get more of that representation for girls to see that. Like you can be it because you see it all around you every day. Yeah. It, that actually brings me back to one of my most memorable go girl, go experiences, Lasia, where um, I took the girls from Georgia tech over to a, a small rec center in Atlanta. And there were, you know, girls participating in sports and one, one young woman in particular comes over and she's probably about seven or eight. And she's like, I'm going to run track. And I'm like, Oh, you are, you know, I was like, so are you going to be Flojo or are you going to be, you know, Gail Devers? Like, you know, start going down all the list. And um, she's like, well, who is that? She had never seen a woman run track. This was a dream yeah. of hers that kind of developed without even ever setting her eyes. So thank God for technology. I whip out my phone and go to YouTube right away. And when uh -huh. I tell you her eyes were so big, she was in disbelief, oh. like to actually have now this vision, like, wow, she had been out there running with the boys with no idea that these there were these amazing women athletes on the world's stage, um, which was just blew me away. Megan, I, I want to turn this conversation to you now. We just listened to two very successful you know, women athletes who were positively impacted by their experiences with women coaches. What are you finding at We Coach uh, about the correlation between the success of, of girls or women in sports and, that are coached by women? Well, we have a responsibility, I think, as leaders in the industry to foster the development of the next generation of our female coaches. And we know that positive, strong women in the lives of young girls college-age girls, student-athletes, foster, fosters positive relationships, positive growth, strong role models. It goes back to what Leisha said, see it to be it, and we just don't see enough women being successful. Um, and it really goes down to a point of access. How many times do we know our females, our young girls, 
enter sports and leave sports only having been coached by a man. It goes back to what you just said about your experience at Georgia Tech. If they don't ever see women succeeding, one, they're not even considering it as a viable career option, and two, they just don't even know or understand it's something that they can do. And one thing that stood out to me, Megan, I want to throw this back to you and also to Karen, that one thing that came from this research, there are 6.5 million youth sports coaches in the United States and only a quarter of them are women. I don't know a lot about the grassroots structure enough to really, you know, even understand what this means or how this happens, but how can we impact girls at this level? Because, you know, we deal primarily in college women's basketball, which has got their issues, you know, with, with the gender dynamic and coaching. And, um, you know, obviously we have two women from the WNBA, which there's fair representation, but still needs some work. Um, but what about, what about for these girls between the ages of seven and 13? How can we impact this number? I would just say that it's amazing how perceptive girls between 7 and 13, how perceptive they are about what their experience is like when they are fortunate enough to have a female coach. And I hate to have to say that, but given the numbers you just shared, um, it really is true that the likelihood of having a female coach is really slim. And yet when they do, it boosts their confidence. They report that they feel a sense of belonging, right? And so I think... Moving forward, part of it is making sure that we celebrate coaches, right? They're powerful mentors, and all women are capable of becoming coaches. And I think we need to do um, a better job of reaching out and inspiring women to take those powerful positions, which they're so capable of um, taking on because of the difference that they make in the lives of girls. I mean, we're trying to build the pipeline, right? And so if we want girls to participate and feel like they belong and stay engaged, we need to have more female coaches as role models in their lives. And I think it's a priority. And I think community organizations are, are really recognizing that. Something else that um, kind of stood out to me a little bit and, and even coming off of what Lazy said about her dad, parents, because we have a lot of parents that listen to this podcast that try to get educated. You know, one thing I, and I go back to my childhood and say it, and it was a very different one from what it sounds like Lazy's experience was and maybe even Devro's. But my mom was like, we are not playing basketball. She was like, "There, you're gonna, your hair's gonna sweat out. There, those girls are gonna be stepping on your feet. No, like she was not for the bruising and the pushing. And my mother was just not. She did not grow up in a time where she was exposed to, uh, you know, what female athletes were or what that looked like. And so, when when we look at the ages of seven and thirteen, a lot of it does have to do with what your parents, how they make decisions." Um, about you know where you play, who you play for, um, if the if you play sports, your level of exposure. So, and anyone can chime in really if you have any thoughts. But um, how can we adjust or change or shift even that dynamic of of that of the conversation? Sure, I would just say um, to that point, we know from the research that the more parents participate, the more likely it is that their daughter will love sport and will play throughout high school and beyond. So we need to do a better job of really communicating the benefits of sport participation so that all parents value their daughter's participation as much as they do their sons. I would say the power of participating in sports, I like we know the percentage of athletes that are going to eventually go pro, it's a small number, but the, the life lessons we learn in sports that I would think any parent wants to pass on to their child is, um, you know, how to get along with other people, how to overcome 
adversity in their life, how to, you know, stand up when you've been knocked down. Um, these are life lessons that are going to help you as a person, as a human, as a future parent, as a sibling, as someone who's going to join the workforce one day. Like we know that women who played sports, um, I don't know the statistic if anyone knows off the top, or I know women who played college athletes go on to be CEOs at a higher rate because they have that. Um, I think that yeah. power that we learn at such a young age that like, Sports helps you see as a girl that like I can do it, you know, like I can be out here, I can compete, I can um, learn all of these lessons that are going to take you in the future like so much more than you know. And so, so I would say like put your kid in sports, whether they're going to go pro, whether they try basketball and hate it, try volleyball, try track and field, try lacrosse, swimming, whatever it is, you know, put them in a sport and expose them to those opportunities and also a diverse. Um, group of people as I've met so many people and built amazing relationships with lifelong friends through sports from the time I was young now through like pro I've made great relationships with people I'm going to back you up at that stat. I think it's 74% is what the most recent EY study said that women who had a sports background had um, 74% of them were able to go on to accelerate their leadership and their career potential uh, and that being said just to reiterate what you said I think sports teaches regardless if you're the superstar regardless if you're the last one off the bench but we know sports teaches so many of the lifelong lessons in terms of even just girls finding their confidence and finding their voice and demonstrating leadership and teamwork and all the skills that go into making a successful person over a lifelong time and and that's why telling those stories is so important right of like how sport is impacting you off the field or the court like it makes total sense to us to say well, you learn perseverance and you learn goal setting and communication and all of those different things, how to compete because we played sport. But that there's not necessarily a direct correlation for with that for anyone else. Like we just can't assume. And that's why I think, you know, when you look at the numbers as far as media coverage for women's sports and what is it at four percent now? It's grown like one percent, I think, since I got into this business. It's I mean, we have to tell the stories of these women because it's not just in what you see them doing out here, running up and down and winning games, but how um, they're using what they've learned through sport to impact other areas of life. Either that's after their career or pushing through adversity. And so what Dev is doing, you know, with her YouTube page and, you know, all these other avenues we see where we're we're learning more about the female athletes are important. I want to read some numbers to you guys from the research and just want a reaction from you. Um, do you know what girl athletes want? The research says the number one thing that girls want uh, in their experience as an athlete is making and spending time with friends, 61%. 55% say feeling a part of a team. 46% says running around and being active. 45% says gaining and improving skills, which sounds like that included Lasia and Dev when they were little. <laughs> Just like <laughs> they were out there to win it, okay? In it to win it. What does what does that say to you? Because I, I definitely, I'll be honest, I was I was kind of shocked when I saw the number one reason was making and spending time with friends. And not that that wasn't something that I was interested in, but I was always taught that I needed to focus on winning. Like I needed to be there to show up to compete and that kind of so what what do you guys think about that research and how might that shape our approach to coaching girls uh i think that i mean it's pretty spot on i would say that majority of my closest friends i've met through basketball um and i think that i mean even like in playing 
Um, I loved going to practice every day because I loved seeing my teammates and being with them and fighting with them. Um, and I think that the bond that you build with people, especially when you're um, playing athletics and you're in the trenches with them and going through a difficult workout, um, it brings relationships to a completely different level um, because of the type of relationship you have to build to be able to push each other um, and really know each other and know each other's buttons and know um, what gets somebody forward when they're they're struggling with something. Um, you just really create even deeper bonds. Um, so that, I mean, to me, it's not super surprising. I, I think that makes a lot of sense because especially when you're younger, um, a lot of time you want to spend with your friends. <laughs> That's like the one, probably the top thing that you're doing, like even going to school, like you want to go see your friends. Um, and so, I mean, I don't think that's super surprising. Um, and I think that's a really important part of sports is being able to build um, those relationships because even afterwards, now that I'm retired, I, I think like one of the most important things that I've gained from basketball is the relationships I've made because at this point um, I'm truly realizing it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and a lot of who I know was built through um, my career and it's gotten me to a lot of different places. So um, I think that's spot on and it's really important as well. Any other thoughts on those numbers? I think it's a little bit surprising when you said it, because I'm like, break down all the stereotypes. Like we're competitive. We're all these things. <laughs> right. you know, we are, <laughs> hear me roar, I'm <laughs> woman. But I think the cool thing that you want to get across is that like, as girls, we like to connect that that's our superpower, right? That's our difference that, our differences are, are what make us great. They're not our weaknesses. So the fact that girls like to connect and like we're, we mostly talked about team sports here. Most sports require you to work with someone else realizes that like girls actually want to connect. They're motivated by being connected to other young girls and building that relationship, right? There's only one basketball on a, on the entire floor. So you have to work together. So when I also heard those numbers after I was surprised was like, that sets us up to uniquely work together and to build chemistry. And I think that that's a cool thing that sets us up to be successful, not something we should shy away from and think like girls aren't competitive. They just want to have fun and hang out with their girlfriends. Like, no, we, we are willing to bond and to be, you know, selfless in a sense because we see that that connection matters. And so how do we use that to our strength when coaching girls, instead of looking at us like girls, just they're not really here to comp compete. Right. No, I, I definitely agree. And, and honestly, there's only like 16% between one and four. So it wasn't a huge difference, yeah. but you know, the numbers weren't that skewed, but it, it was very interesting to me to see that. Um, on this final point, I want to just go to you, Megan, on this because I, I truly believe, I mean, yes, we've talked about women as youth coaches, but there's also a space in collegiate and professional women's basketball for these young girls to turn on the television or to go to a game and see women coaches. And I shared with Dev off the podcast before we started that I was a little bit sad to be seeing Neil Ivy leaving Notre Dame to, to go to the NBA, right? Cause that's one of our more powerful, um, well-equipped, brilliant leaders in women's college sports going to coach um, in the NBA. So I know how that helps, right? Because now young girls will know that they can coach coach men. And those numbers don't even, let's not even get into that. It's so even worse in terms of women coaching boys in men's sports. But um, on the flip side of that, how can we put more women in positions of leadership and coaching 
so that young girls have that vision and then maybe share your thoughts on how a move like Niels or Lindsay Gottlieb impacts our game. You know, I was a little bit bittersweet about Niels leaving too, but like you just said, I mean, that's shattering another glass ceiling for young girls to see women coaching men and let's throw it out to the NBA right now. They're probably doing the best of anyone in terms of hiring females. I think she was the ninth female now on an NBA sideline. I mean, that's, uh, more female coaches than we have on the WNBA head coaching sideline. Um, if you look at what's happening in pro women's soccer on success of what just happened in the World Cup, but men in the women's pro league coached nine of the 10 teams. That means there's one female coach in pro women's soccer. So it's like, it goes back to if there aren't women in those leadership positions, how does the next generation even equate that to a viable career option? Uh, and that's where really where we coach comes in, you know, it's our responsibility to do a better job of supporting women across all sports and all levels. It has to come from not only the top down, the front office, those in hiring positions to understand the importance of hiring strong, positive female role models to coach their female athletes. And then it goes all the way down also from the grassroots approach, which is what we already talked on, you know, it's like, dad can't always be the t-ball coach and mom always can't be the snack runner, which traditionally in the world that we grew up on, or grew up in is how it's been. Um, and so we have to get more women involved. We have to recruit more women. We have to create a pipeline of future female coaches. We have to support them. We know, we touched on it briefly, is women face unique challenges in, in the coaching realm specifically that their male counterparts do not. And that's forcing some women from even going into the profession, but it's also forcing women out of the profession faster than their male counterparts. Um, and, and then really it's just, you know, it, it comes down to, gender norms. It comes down to what's happening socioeconomically. It comes down to what's happening in society. You know, we don't talk about, I'm going to my female doctor. I'm going to go have a meeting with my female lawyer. But in sports, we still continue to define by gender. And it really comes down to just leadership, leadership. And that's what's so tough about this, right? Because we do want like I, I take pride in women's basketball, right? And I say it's women's basketball because I do think we have uniqueness. But at the same time, we want that lens of it is just basketball as well. And I think it, it's a debate that I know I go back and forth with etern- internally is, okay, we want women coaches, but we also want to just be coaches. And so do we want them to look at gender? Yeah, we want them to look at gender so that we can get some level of equality but then we also just want to be coaches and it's a very fine line and one that I think is sometimes hard to, to navigate. But um, thank you for those suggestions on how we can move forward to get more women in those leadership positions. And thank you all for your time uh, on this panel. Very insightful. Uh, thanks to the work that you guys are doing at the women's sports foundation, obviously um, our, our women champions with WNBA and Megan, everything that you guys are doing with, we coach, uh, how can we support you? If you can just let our fans know with each of your organizations, maybe it's your personal organization or a company or any fundraising or events or things you have coming up. Um, how can our listeners support you guys moving forward? Um, we'll start with Dev. So right now, um, as you mentioned earlier, um, I'm doing my um, YouTube page, um, More Than 94, to get to know more um, WNBA players um, and create a space that connects them outside of basketball. Obviously, um, a lot of them are um, have businesses, um, and since the WNBA is not their main source of income, a lot of them have businesses and other things they're doing. So um, I think 
you know, supporting that um, and trying to get um, more viewership, um, more people involved and create a space where um, they are seen as equal to the men, um, like we discussed earlier, and not just um, women's basketball players, but athletes that are doing more in their community and creating um, uh, creating a space where um, we connect with people from all different um, areas and, and business and interests. So um, I think for me, that's what I've been doing. Um, and that's what I've been pushing the most. So Love it. More than 94, right? Yep. YouTube, yes. YouTube. More than 94. All right. Thanks, Dev. Lasia, what can, how can we support you until you get healed and get back on the court? But I know you always have a lot of other things going on too <laughs> off the court. I'm not just limiting you to that, but uh, we are sending our well wishes. But what do you have going on that we can uh, jump in on? I, you can just follow me on any of my social platforms. It's just um, my name spelled out Lasia, C for the first name of my last, first letter of my last name. And um, I work with a ton of different organizations, recently done work with Women's Sports Foundation. So if there's um, an org you want me to get involved with, hit me up, slide in my DMs. I'm super active online and I'm just always trying to help, you know, educate and have conversations and, and move us forward and be the representation that I wanted and needed when I was younger. So support me by, you know, just showing me some love online, supporting me through my injury, like all my posts. <laughs> like all the posts. Yes, that's the most important part. And if you don't know, uh, Lasia is an amazing ambassador in the LGBTQ space. So thank you for all you do there as well, um, because our youth really need that as much as they need uh, women in, in leadership positions. We need them to feel accepted. And the work you're doing is amazing. So thank you for that. Uh, Karen. Sure. I would say um, that we need more advocates. We need more people advocating in their local communities for opportunity and access for all young people, and especially girls, regardless of their zip code, where they live, what family they're from, what culture they come from. We want all girls to have the opportunity to play. And secondly, if you're a woman out there, consider becoming a youth coach. Reach out to your local organizations. They really need more champions on the ground, and we need more champions uh, for girls uh, in sports. So reach out to your local organizations and get involved. Thank you for that. And thank you for mentioning girls from different neighborhoods. We had a conversation earlier on the podcast with uh, Alana, um, about, um, girls of color and otherwise disadvantaged groups because they play less and they end earlier. Um, and so how can we help those girls who are in communities where they don't have access to sport or don't have the money for sport or only for certain sports, right? And they're limited because of their socioeconomic situations. Um, you know, how can we affect that? So Alana gave us some good insight on the podcast about that because that's just as important of a conversation to be having um, in conjunction with all the rest of this. And last but not least, Megan. Hey, coach. I'm bringing up the rear here. <laughs> you are. <laughs> we come down from Florida. Yeah, exactly. You know what? We've become the premier organization committed to recruiting, advancing, and retaining women coaches. And what makes us different than the sport associations is we represent female coaches of all sports and all levels. So I would encourage people to check us out on our social media at We Coach Sports and, of course, our website at WeCoachSports.org. We have a full list of our upcoming events, resources, uh, many of which are free. Some are for members. Uh, so certainly you can become a member 
And then the last thing I would really just say is I truly believe it's going to take a village to move the needle in collaboration and us having continued conversations. So I definitely want to salute you, LaChina, for having this conversation, the other women on this podcast. Absolutely. And thank you for the work you're doing. And all of you guys in this space continue to be rock stars, continue to encourage and inspire our young girls. I just feel like there's such a great synergy um, right now for women and the way sports is impacting that movement is tremendous. We saw it with our women's soccer team. So uh, let's continue to, to put this issue in the forefront and fight for our girls because they need it. And thank you guys for all your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.